0: to another special bonus episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba, and this is another one of our patron-curated episodes when I invite patrons of my podcast to send in their guest submissions on a specific theme. How do I sound? I... I still don't sound good. I know. it's just uh, I had this horrible flu. First I had a cold, and it turned into the flu, and I'm still getting over it. So I apologize. Apologies in advance. This is my normal, luscious, uh, smooth voice that you're used to hearing. I'm a little ragged, but you know, whatever. Uh, we have to go on. We have to do these. So, okay. The theme for this one was suggested by patron Josh Metzger, and it's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, this is that Other song by a band artist everyone knows that one song from Got Me High. So basically there's this one song that a band is known for maybe they're even considered a one-hit wonder but not necessarily as you'll see uh when we hear our submissions but there's this other song by them that you feel is a superior song so that's the the, that's the concept of this episode and at first i'll be totally honest at first i thought maybe this theme was a little too esoteric and i really wasn't getting that many submissions at first but uh then i ended up getting the 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 flu so i extended the deadline a few And then all of a sudden I started getting uh, all these submissions A bunch of really great submissions And a lot of them came in right under the wire And honestly I was was so sick from this goddamn flu And I was like kind of loopy so it, it really, uh, it it really ended up being a great episode, I think, but uh, it was also a tremendous a pain in the ass putting it together. I'm going to be completely honest. It was a, a tremendous pain in the ass uh, to edit it all together. And hopefully I got all your submissions. I don't even know. Cause I was like, uh, like I said, I was loopy with the flu and all these submissions were coming in. So hopefully they're all here. If not, uh, you have my deepest apologies, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent, uh, I don't know, when was the last time I was 100%? Maybe not till, since last year, but, you know, this is me at, what, what 80% maybe? Well, that's that's maybe being optimistic, 80%. But uh, as I said, hopefully you will love it as much as I th- think I love it. I, I really do think I love it, and I think we got so many great submissions, so hopefully you'll love it as much as I think I do. Uh, there's a lot of surprises uh, with the songs I've never heard by bands I thought I knew by their one overplayed song, and once again, I'm just in awe of my patrons and their encyclopedic knowledge of music. You're all the best. Uh, so if you'd like to get out on the fun and become a patron of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and consider becoming a patron. I would really appreciate it. All right. Our uh, patron and creator of the that Facebook group, Got Me High Facebook group, Margarita, starts things
1: off. Hey, Rob. Margarita here. Uh, This should be a short intro because I don't know very much about Carly Rae Jepsen. Everybody knows her song, Call Me Maybe. Song I picked is "Watch You in My Room." Um, if people like this, check out the Tiny Desk Concert. The version she does on that is a lot different than the album one. Uh, the album I really like the synths and the horns, and it just sounds heavier. In person, it's actually kind of cute and
2: innocent compared to like the topic of the song. All right, take care.
3: I'm <laughs>
0: And uh, don't forget, if you're still on Facebook, if that's one of the social media uh, avenues that you still uh, inhabit, uh, you can go to that Facebook group, Got Me High, and become a member. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Now, here's patron Paul Marfleet uh, with a song that maybe wasn't even an actual hit, I guess, but I would think most listeners of this show are very familiar with this, and it's by a band with many other great songs, including his pick.
4: Choice of an alternative song by an artist who everyone knows for that one song. For this episode, I picked a band who I previously pegged as one hit wonders, but subsequently found out their one big song was never actually a hit in the first place. I'm talking about the only ones, the group who burned briefly but brightly on the late 1970s UK punk scene, and who wrote one of the greatest songs of that era, Another Girl, Another Planet. In fact, Another Girl, Another Planet never actually charted on its first release, and only managed to make it to number 57 when reissued in the early 1990s. Nevertheless, it's definitely the song that the Only Ones are most associated with, and has rightly become something the punk standard. So while Another Girl, Another Planet overshadows everything else they did, The Only Ones were no one-trick ponies. They wrote many other great songs, and their second album, Only Serpent Shine, stands out for me as a really consistent effort, despite not being a commercial success. The song I've picked from this album is Out There In The Night, which shows off both frontman Peter Perrett's knack for writing quirky, catchy pop songs, and the band's ability to skillfully merge power pop with punk and hard rock. One thing that struck me while listening to the album is how Peter Perrott's nasal vocal delivery, the yearning romanticism of his lyrics, and guitarist John Perry's virtuoso playing make the only ones kind of like Britain's answer to television, albeit without television's sense of studied cool. It is, after all, hard to imagine Tom Verlaine writing a song lamenting his lost cat.
3: You left that morning, you gave me no warning, you were my best friend we
0: Thanks, Paul. All right, now here's patron Matt Marzullo, uh, who really seemed to take this theme uh, personally and came up with a great alternate song uh, to the one song that everybody knows.
5: Take it away, Matt. Hey, Rob, this is Matt. For this patron-curated episode, I'm going to share a story about something that recently happened at work. We were discussing copyright and proper attributions when citing another's work. And somebody mentioned how the Rolling Stones never got paid for The Verve using that sample in Bittersweet Symphony. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's not the point. I offhandedly stated that there are much better songs on that album anyway. The response I received from one person was, Bittersweet Symphony is the best song ever. I should have asked, well, what else have you heard from The Verve? But I knew the answer would be a big, fat nothing, so I didn't go there and come off like the music snob that I am. Anyway, you need the name of a song for this episode, I could name just about any other song on the Urban Hins album. But Space and Time is probably my favorite. When that chorus hits, it's just so good. So that's my choice. Check it out.
3: There is no space and time keep our love alive. We have existence and it's all we Yeah
0: long time listeners to these patron episodes know that my friend Izo Basares, uh, you, you know, uh, Izo Bissar and you also know that Izo does not give a fuck what you think about his love of cheesy or poppy music. He just doesn't care. So, uh, take it away. Izo.
1: Hey Rob, Izo Bissar here as usual. This is a great category and I could have been here for days, but I decided on a song that came from an album with many hits. And this was an underdog. So the album is Color by Numbers. A little album from across the pond that made a little bit of a splash. Um, The Culture Club, of course, uh, they had had a few top 10 hits, including Karma Chameleon, which made it to number one. But there was one song that I felt was the best song on the album. And it did not get the credit it deserved. Uh, Beautiful melody, beautiful harmonies, great arrangement, the backup vocals of Helen Terry. The song is called Victims, and I think it's one of the most beautiful ballads of the 80s. So with that, enjoy the rest of the show. Love you, brother. The
6: victims we know so well, they shine in your eyes when they kiss and tell. Strange places we never see, but you're always there. Like a ghost in my dream, and I keep on telling you don't do the things you do When you do those things For my puppet strings Have the strangest fight for you We love and we never tell What places our hearts In the wishing well? Love leads us into the stream And it sink or swim Like it's always been And I keep on loving you It's the only thing to do. When the angel sings, there are greater things. Can I give them all to you? Pull the strings of emotion, take a ride into unknown pleasure. like
0: a child on a dark man there was some kind thanks Izo. great pick as always uh, okay our patron Corey uh, Dubrawa uh, is clearly busy Corey's a busy guy I know this and is in his enthusiasm to get a submission in I think he he kind of misunderstood the theme at first uh, so he he just at first he just sent in the hit and then uh, once he realized his faux pas, he uh, quickly recovered and uh, and he did indeed come up with a great pick uh, and a song I'd never heard before. So let's hand it over to Corey
7: DeBrowa. Hey, Rob and fellow patrons. This is take two for me, Corey DeBrowa here in Berkeley, California, just to prove that I really did understand the assignment. This is that other song by the band artist that everyone knows that one song from that got me high. It's The Laws' I Am The Key. It's a song I'd never been introduced to until Spoon's Britt Daniel played it live in a solo show at the Crocodile Cafe in Seattle about 15 years ago. Uh, If you know anything about this Liverpool band, The Laws, it's most likely their song There She Goes, uh, a track described by uh, nobody less than Death Cap for Cutie's Ben, uh, Ben Gibbard as the perfectly written pop song an instantaneously recognizable melody and lyrics set to simple, economic musical structure. True enough, that band's frontman, Lee Mavers, is a notoriously eccentric and cranky perfectionist. Uh, The Laws released one official album during the band's very lengthy lifetime, cycled something close to 30 people through their lineup, including future members of Oasis, Cast, World Party, and the Zootons. Uh, all of which is to say it makes this song, I Am The Key, so incredibly special, and if possible, even better than Maver's one worldwide hit, which is charted no fewer than five times since it was first released back in 1988. You won't find I Am The Key on any officially released Law's album. I think it may be on some compilations. It's certainly out there on the web. Uh, You can find several versions of it on YouTube. I think the various streaming services have maybe live versions of it. But uh, more than anything, it proves that Britt Daniel from Spoon has impeccable taste in music. You can find his cover. Uh, It's just him, acoustic, playing to a backing drum track on a boombox, just like I saw in Seattle. Out there somewhere on YouTube if you look hard enough. Uh, And yes, it's fantastic. So, The Laws, I Am The Key.
0: for everyone don't be intimidated I I know some people I, I know people love these episodes but some people say they're a little intimidated because some people really seem to really get into it and and uh, but uh, just to show like Corey Corey didn't even understand it at first and he sent it and it was fine and then he sent in another submission it was great so that's a good lesson for all of you okay so when we do these episodes people often worry that they're going to pick a song that's already been picked by someone else. But our listeners are so musically sophisticated that that's usually never the case. Uh, so here's uh, the first of two examples where patrons pick the same well-known song, but they chose completely different other song.
8: Hey, Rob, it's Marcia in Central Florida. And I have to admit... This topic, that other song by that band everyone knows that one song from Got Me High, had me really intimidated, and that is because I believe the listeners of this podcast are not like most people, as I believe they know more music than most people. So do I bring a song to this episode that most people wouldn't know, or do I bring a song to this episode that most listeners of this podcast wouldn't know? Then I remembered the teachings of Rob Elba, Don't Overthink It. Go with your first pick. So, I'm fairly certain most people of a certain age group know the Plimsolls a million miles away. They may not know the name of the band, but they know the song, especially the chorus, as it was prominently featured in the movie Valley Girl, the original. I don't know if it was in that stupid remake from a couple of years back, The remake that I'm still quite angry about because the trailers look like it was something produced by the Disney Channel, thereby threatening to ruin one of my favorite movies from when I was a teenager, but anyways, back to the song. The better song. It was also briefly featured in Valley Girl, it was playing in the background of the bar scene, and it's from the same Plimsoll's album, Everywhere At Once. The song is oldest story in the world. It's Better Than a Million Miles Away by only about a hair, but in my opinion, Oldest Story in the World is the better song. Yeah, it
3: makes further sense, seeing out of seeds with some, to find you out there on your own. You say your goodbyes, and broke all the ties, it's dumb and dumb and to- You'll never change, but you're no better than the weather You're cool, but there's rain in your heart You'll blow like a feather And that's the oldest star in the world You lost the key to paradise That's the oldest star in the world Did we have it made? Somehow I thought we could remain if nothing lasts, no one's to blame And you can't look back to where you got off the track But That's a distance that will never crack It's just the only star in the world
2: Hi, listeners. This is Tom Laurie from St. Pete. I chose the Plimsels as the one-hit wonder that had uh, one great song, supposedly, and many people don't know about the rest of their catalog, which isn't very large. The Plimsels are an L.A. band that remind me of our favorite drunks from Minneapolis. Uh, Their one-hit wonder was a million miles away, and that was in the Cinema Gem Valley Girl starring Nicolas Cage in the early 80s. Uh, this is off their first album called The Plimsels. Then they came out with a second album that was done by Geffen, and uh, then they just imploded. Uh, Peter Case went on to do some good solo work, but that was pretty much it. They got back together uh, and put a third album out in the 2000s, but really wasn't that great. Uh, but this first album was awesome, and the version of the song that I'd like to play is Zero Hour off their live album, Town Confidential. Enjoy.
3: and get out of that bed Your phone's ringing but it's gone
0: Now I feel like I have to check out that Valley Girl remake uh, that Marsha mentioned, uh, which I'm sure is horrible. Um, All right. So now here's our good friend and patron, uh, Bobby Joe, with a typically for her, typically fun pick. Take it away, Bobby Joe.
9: Hey, Robbie, everybody. It's Bobby Joe. Cool idea. So I was thinking about, you know, uh, the collection of the box of my favorite songs, and this one is in it. And... so it's from a band you wouldn't normally think maybe you might have some cool stuff like it's the pointer sisters and you know they're most known for like all of their um super cheesy 80s songs like neutron dance and um oh god what's that one um i'm so excited anyway back in the 70s before the 80s music i guess the, they got they got down <laughs> like like they got down like really beautiful velvet pants like they are smooth and cool and um the recordings are like um, all live instruments really really good musicians good writers so the song is called um don't drive you crazy and uh it's just a really good good song
0: Crabby Joe Excellent as usual Okay, patron Jay Reeve uh, Squeezed in a couple of picks for his submission And to be honest, he sounds kind of crabby uh, In this thing, but he clearly Does not like overplayed radio hits So uh, obviously that's something he doesn't like So I think this uh, This uh, episode, uh, this theme Was a little uh, personal for him as well So take it away, Jay
10: Hey, Rob and fellow TRDMHers, this is Jay Reeve and my choices, because I couldn't make up my mind. I kind of tied these two choices together, and um, I don't like following the rules. Uh, My two choices are uh, Orange Crush off of R.E.M. Green, as opposed to Stand, that song stand in a place where you belong, whatever beaten to death but i believe if i remember correctly orange crush was the um first single off of that album and same time frame same town actually b52's um channel z which was the first uh, single off of that album Uh, whose name I can't think of right now, but it had uh, Love Shack and Rome on it, but Channel Z was a way cooler song. Definitely the first single off of that album, and I bought both of those albums because of those singles, and was sadly let down by the rest of the material, I guess. That proceeded. Um, Anyway, that is my choice for You Should Have Heard Those Other Songs that this band put out. But I like this other one a lot better because the single was crap and played out verbatim monotonously uh, for the next 30-plus years uh, in every supermarket, and elevator, and um, shopping mall from coast to coast. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: jay now here's patron james mclaughlin who kind of rediscovered a band while listening uh, to an episode of that record got me high which always makes me happy uh, when i want to hear that and also who quite honestly scared the crap out of me at first because when he sent in his, his submission the subject was mr big and for a few terrifying minutes i thought i would have to play a clip of a song by that horrible 80s uh, hair metal band mr big but as you will see that is not the case
11: Hey Rob and record fans, this is James in Baltimore. I grew up listening to All Right Now on classic rock radio before it was classic. Having only heard the one song a million times, I always thought of Free as a not as good proto Bad Company band. On the Hugo Burnham TRGMH episode, I learned how wrong I was. Bad Company was the not as good post Free band. I've been exploring the excellent free catalog for a couple of years now, and my favorite song is Mr. Big, which has a killer bass solo by Andy Fraser.
0: patron Alan Zweig, uh, with a song I would say we've all heard and a song that I'm guessing most of us haven't
12: heard. So take it away, Alan. Hello, Rob. Hello, other podcast listeners who claim to get high for music. This is Alan from Toronto, the person Rob always identifies as our Canadian documentary filmmaking friend, though he doesn't usually tell me what you people do for a living. Not that it was a living. Anyway, today I'm going to uncharacteristically skip over what Rob calls the overthinking, but which I call the thinking, the choosing, the process, a background that I took towards getting to today's choice. I'm just going to the Trogs, The band that was mostly associated with the song, Wild Thing, which was actually the one song that mo- most of their songs were written by Red Presley, their lead singer, but Wild Thing was written by Chip Taylor, who is John Voight's brother. I won't say anything more about that. So on the record, Wild Thing, which I bought from the Columbia Record Club, the first song was Wild Thing. The second song, which was also the flip side of Wild Thing 45, was a song called From they had lots of other songs, but From Home is the one for me. When I used to play records in public, which I'm not going to call DJing exactly, I used to play this song. I think it's, you know, I like to think it's the first song he ever wrote because it's very primitive. There's, it's very repetitive. There's virtually no melody. There's much dynamics. There's no bridge. There's a chorus. And the chorus is just, song the words from home plus the word girl so here's
13: from home
12: girl from home girl by the (laughs) trots
0: Whether you love them or hate them, I hope you all listen to our recent uh, ELO episode with Jeff Greenstein, because uh, it's a really fun episode, and Jeff is a delight. And here he is with a pick by one of my all-time favorite bands, who had one big hit, but also had a bunch of other awesome songs, including the one that Jeff featured, so take it away, Jeff.
14: This is Jeff Greenstein. In 1965, one-hit wonder, The Strange Loves had their one hit with I Want Candy. And 17 years later, one-hit wonder, Bow Wow Wow followed suit. Quick rundown on Bow Wow Wow. Sex Pistols manager Malcolm McLaren stole half of Adam and the Ants, paired them with a vocalist he found working in a dry cleaner, and the result was three albums, a fistful of singles, the exploitation of a 15-year-old girl, and the record I'm about to play for you now chihuahua is a vast and utterly absurd cultural appropriation project featuring a balinese monkey chant dueling gamelan drums a fluid rumbling bass line and a lyric about the exploitation of a 15 year old girl the result is one of the most infectious dance songs ever to grace a party tape here it is gang the 12 inch single mix of bow wow wow's chihuahua
0: patron Gary Messick with a song I had forgotten about, but what uh, was all over the radio and MTV in the 80s, and of course, another song by that same band that I'd never heard before.
11: Hello, Rob, and that record got me high, listeners. I almost forgot what the name of the show was, for a, just for a split second, I'm sorry. Anyway, the song that got me high that was uh, by a one-hit wonder was a track by the duo Timbuk3, which was uh, comprised of a married couple, Pat and Barbara K. McDonald, who I believe uh, broke up years later, sadly. In 1986, their first album was released, it was called Greetings from Timbuk3, and it had the song The Future's So Bright I Gotta Wear Shades on it, which was a huge hit, uh, which I think a lot of people misunderstood and took at face value, as meant to be uh, ironic. Because that's the kind of songwriter that that uh, Pat McDonald was—is you know basically a, a smart ass, uh, not unlike Randy Newman and people like that. But a, you know a smart guy, funny guy, and uh, uh, and sometimes kind of moving with a lot of his songs. Anyway, on the second album, Eden Alley, in 1988, there's a track called Reverend Jack and His Roman Cadillac Church, and this is just a favorite song of mine, uh, even though, you know, really, it's just basically, it's a, a blues, basically it's just a blues song, um, nothing real special there, but it's played with a lot of verve, and uh, the lyrics are great, And it's about a small-time preacher who, apparently from the point of view of uh, one of his followers, who was uh, very much uh, a hardcore uh, follower of his, and uh, so uh, here it is, Reverend Jack and his Roman Cadillac Church.
0: All right. So, uh, patron Carl Uberbacher, uh, he, he wants to remind us about this weird little song that uh, kind of got under his skin, I guess, and uh, and I guess he wants it to get under our skin as well. So, take it away, Carl.
14: Hello, that record got me high, listeners. Hello, Rob. It's Carl from Phoenix Records in Waitsfield, Vermont. And because I take these assignments so seriously, I have got a killer other song for you guys. And that would not be Tainted Love by Soft Cell. But it, in fact, it would be a song so controversial it took 35 years to be released as a single. And that's right, I'm talking about Sex Dwarf by Soft Cell. Isn't it nice? Sugar and Spice, luring disco dollies to a life of vice. I can make a film and make you my star, you'd be a natural the way you are. Oh man, we can go all over this, all around it, and not even hit every lyric, every nuance of this song. But it's a fun song. Apparently it caused a raid by the British police, which may or may not be true. Um, due to the explicit and controversial nature of the video, but I don't know—is it a true story? Is it a fake story? I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I want to know, to be honest with you. But you know, anything with the lyrics, uh, with the chorus of Sex Dwarf six times—you know—it's got to be good. And then, uh, also part of the course, I'm in a Rolls Royce. Look, it's so huge, it's big and it's gold. With my dumb chauffeur, looking to procure one little doggy, like a little lure, a disco dolly. So, anyway, I'll leave it to you guys to decipher. Thanks so much for the opportunity, and it's always great to share these magical moments with you all. So,
0: I'm going to be honest uh, and say I don't really know much about this duo brought in by Paul Raub. Uh, I know Paul's a big music fan and uh, I know that I should know more about this duo because uh, I, you know, I I read about, I've heard about them over the years and I know people really love them. And that's part of the reason why I love doing these episodes because I learn. So maybe you'll learn a little too. Here's Paul Raub.
15: Hey, Rob. It would be so great if you just get well and stay well for a bit. I'm really sorry, man. Hope you're on the mend soon. Uh, I'm going to pick something that, although it was happening around the time of early rock and roll, definitely is not. Uh, It's from Les Paul and Mary Ford, obviously less a big influential figure in rock and roll despite not playing it himself for all the reasons we're probably familiar with if you're listening to this podcast. But this one really shows off the and Mary Ford part of it and how important she was. Um, you know, the vocal arrangements, which, if you don't know, she did all of those on all those records. That's her uh, arranging them, singing them, etc. cetera. Um, and her, the lead vocal on this is gorgeous, and she's her own You know, backup singers as well. And... Les lays back and is about as calm as you're ever going to hear him, which got to grade that on a Les Paul franticness curve. But Mary's got all the time, all the patience in the world, and uh, just knocks this out of the park. And I love her vocal on this so much. If I'd never heard of Les Paul, if this was being sung in front of the Nelson Riddle Orchestra, whatever, I would still love this record to death. So, oh, the record is uh, I Really Don't Want to Know by Les Paul and Mary Ford.
16: ああ oh.
0: Okay, here's our second example of people picking the same hit songs, but different other songs. Uh, these are our old pals, Steve Carroll from Chicago and Todd Nolan from Nashville, Tennessee. Take it away, guys.
17: Hey, everybody, it's Steve Carroll in Chicago. Hey, Rob, sorry for sending this to you at the last minute, but I kind of struggled with this one a little bit. You know, there's a lot of bands that are considered one-hit wonders in the U.S. who enjoyed nice careers or several hits across the pond in the uk i don't know i mean dexter's midnight runners one hit here several in the uk i think like four or five albums um simple minds don't you forget about me what a massive one hit wonder but of course i think like nine or ten singles in the uk that were in the top 40 um similarly this band who i've loved my entire life thin lizzy Um, boys are back in town of course big hit in the united states 1976 but they were around a lot earlier and a lot later elsewhere in the world Um, 12 studio albums uh, great amazing live band maybe one of the best live rock and roll bands i ever had the chance to see and uh, you know a, a very vast catalog of music and not all of it sounded like those dual guitars that you hear on on The Boys Are Back in Town. Um, many different guitar players and musicians in that band over the years. And this particular song sounds nothing like that. Uh, it's uh, almost sounds kind of Van Morrison-esque. So Thin Lizzy, Dancing in the Moonlight, not to be confused with the other one-hit wonder, King Harvests, Dancing in the Moonlight. Take
3: care. When I you Should have took that last bus home But I asked you for a dance Now we go steady to the pictures I always get chocolate stains on my pants And my father, he's going crazy He says I'm living in a trance But I'm dancing, dancing in the moonlight It's caught me in its spotlight It's alright, alright Dancing all right. in the moonlight On this long hot summer night It's three o'clock in the morning And I'm on the streets again I disobeyed another warning I should have been in by ten Now I won't get out till Sunday I'll have to say I stayed with friends have habit worth forming, if it means to justify the end. Dancing in the moonlight, it's caught me in its spotlight. It's alright. Dancing all right. in the moonlight on this long hot summer night.
18: Sláinte, kiddos! It's your old drinking buddy, Todd Nolan from Nashville, Tennessee, coming at you quick and hard with a last-minute submission for that other song by that band everyone knows that one song from that got me high. Jesus, Rob, that's one hell of a mouthful of a title. But, anywho, I almost didn't do a submission for this episode because there are so many bands that really only had one big hit and they got lost in the ether to American ears. Scrolling through various lists online of one-hit wonders, I came across The Breeders and Devo, yeah, sure. Technically, they really only had one huge hit each with "Cannonball" and "Whip It," respectively. But god damn it, they wrote so many other amazing songs. But in the back of my mind, there was only one band that I knew needed to be brought to this roundtable discussion, and that band is fucking Thin Lizzy, hands down the best rock band to hail from Ireland ever. And yeah, that "fuck you" is directed at you too. Despite being huge in the UK, they didn't manage to chart a song in the US until 1976 with The Boys Are Back in Town. And yeah, it's a great fucking song, albeit a bit played out because of the fact that for so many, it's the only song they know from Thin Lizzy. And not to mention, it had ties to the trailers for Pixar's Toy Story movies and the highly contested usage of the 2012 Republican National Convention. So yeah, it's a great song, but kind of played out a bit. I mean, it did only chart as number 12 here, but nailed a whopping number one in Ireland. And originally, it wasn't even going to be included on what would become Jailbreak, their sixth studio album released back in 1976. But I argue that there are so many other great songs that should have been bigger hits for them, like Whiskey in the Jar, Dancing in the Moonlight, The Rocker, Cowboy Song, and Renegade. But for the sake of this episode, I've chosen the title song and opening track from the very same album that the boys graced the B-side of with the rocking anthem of a masterpiece, Jailbreak. It's always been a big fan favorite from its iconic dueling guitar riffs of Scott Gorham and Brian Robertson to the wailing sirens of its breakdown. But the driving force for me is Thin Lizzy's lead singer, bassist, and main songwriter, Phil Lynott. He warns you that tonight there's going to be trouble, and you better fucking believe it because the shit is going to hit the fan. The album was recorded at a record fast pace in the Who's studio in South London, and that classic guitar riff was penned by Linet and later embellished upon by his bandmates. In fact, once at an award ceremony, Tony Iommi of fucking Black Sabbath was overheard saying that it was his favorite guitar riff ever. God damn! Thin Lizzy would often open their sets with the song because of that big crashing E chord at the top and that identifiable riff. It really gets the party started. So tonight, with searchlights and hound dogs on their trail, find yourself in a bit of trouble with Thin Lizzie and the song Jailbreak.
3: Somewhere in this town See me and the boys, we don't like it So we're getting up and going down Hide low, looking right to left If you see us coming, I think it's best To move away, do you hear what I say From under my breath Tonight is gonna be a jailbreak Somewhere in Of us
0: won't survive. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, Todd. And now we have patron Larry Smith, uh, who took a deep dive into a record after we covered it on the podcast, which is something I love hearing about. And uh, it's a great pick. So take it away, Larry.
13: Hey, Rob, TRGMH listeners at large and fellow patrons, it's Larry with a submission for that other song by the band artist that everyone knows, that one song from, The Got Me High. Great title. Yeah, so this is almost like a full circle kind of thing for me and the reason that I love that record, Got Me High, so much. Uh, In the early 80s, I was in my own little world and although I was uh, branching from classic rock into the depths of new wave and punk I pretty much ignored the radio and my only real knowledge of the knack was that freaking my Sharona song. So when Sam Fogarino brought Get the Knack to the show And I listened to the podcast Honestly, I was a little blown away And I ended up um, Playing it on Spotify many times And so That other song From that band, That Got Me High Is the Wholly inappropriate And lyrically problematic Good Girls Don't Uh, What can I say? First of all, I'm, I'm not going to apologize The fact is um, I, I dig the lyrics it is comedy that's right up my adolescent humor alley but again just like everything else on the record the musicianship is really top notch it's, it's crafty country-esque guitar with a strictly rock bass line um, it's got hooks galore and you know they work in Till she's sitting on your face, so what more can I want in a song? Good Girls Don't by the neck, enjoy or don't, whatever. She's your adolescent
3: dream, schoolboy stuff, a sticky, sweet romance, and she makes you wanna scream, wishing you could get inside her pants. Squeezing her You thought you heard her saying Good girls don't Good girls don't I should be telling you Good girls don't But I do So you call her on the phone To talk about the teachers that you hate And she says she's all alone And her parents won't be coming home till late
0: All right, now we have patron Mick Hans uh, with a song that's purportedly been covered uh, by over 2,000 artists. And another song that's been covered at least a few times, according to Mick. So take it away, Mick.
12: Hi, Rob. It's Mick Hans. For this one, I'm going with that other great song by Richard Berry, who, of course, wrote the original version of Louie Louie. That other tune is Have Love Will Travel. It's also been covered many, many times, if not a Louie Louie amount of times I think I first heard a Sonics version from 1965, there's also a Great Nomads version, I think the Black Keys and Tom Petty have covered it too. I'm guessing the listeners know the song or have heard the song at some point. But I had never heard a Richard Berry version of the song until this week when I did a little homework, and I'm guessing a lot of you haven't either. So what we're going to hear now, credited to Richard Berry and the Pharaohs circa 1960, the lovely doo-woppy version of Have Love, Will Travel.
0: Okay, we're getting into the flurry of last minute submissions uh, that I received, as I said, uh, including this one from patron Eric Lowerman. Hey,
19: Rob, this is Eric from Seattle. Procrastinating all the way from Seattle, I should say, as I'm sliding in a couple hours before your deadline. Uh, Boy, I gave this a lot of thought. There are so many songs that are uh, better than the hit, I guess you'd say. The artist that I settled on was Jeff Buckley, and as most people know from either Last Goodbye or Hallelujah, which that seems to be the go-to, you know, Jeff Buckley, yes, hallelujah. There's many songs of his that I like better than both of those, but the one that hits me was not actually released on Grace, his debut, but a posthumous release that was put on a uh, kind of a collection disc, a song called Forget Her really to dive in and, and explain the song is really not for me i let his words do that but uh his vocals are just haunting and, and just it's beautifully written he shows what an incredible guitar player he was as well in the solo and the just the delivery just floors me every time so i'll leave you with forget her hope you're feeling well rob talk soon buddy
3: streets to stop my weeping, cause you'll never change, oh.
0: Thanks Eric. All right this next submission from Todd Balk has a shocking revelation at the end of it. I mean shocking might be a strong adjective but but I I was genuinely surprised by the uh, little twist at the end. So uh, let's hand it over to Todd.
20: Hey, it's Todd from Portland, Oregon. In true Gen X style, I'm turning this assignment in just in time. And we should be getting to the end of this episode soon. I wanted to use a song from an album that my older cousins turned me on to when I was 13 years old. That whole album was covered so perfectly by Rob and Sam in 2021 that I felt I couldn't touch Get the Knack for this submission. Go back and look up that episode. The whole album is good, and the podcast is even better. So I'm going with my younger brother instead. His favorite album from a couple years later was Working Class Dog by Rick Springfield. You've all heard the song Jesse's Girl. It's so popular that there's a part two where Jesse is thankful that his girl was stolen by his friend. I'm being serious here. But there's a better song on that album. I've done everything for you. I remember it from back then. Drums, big drums, and guitars, and a killer intro that I'll be talking over at any second now. Jesse went to number one in 1981, and everything for you only went to number eight. But it's a rocker. It's a red rocker. You see, this is actually a cover. Sammy Hagar, the Red Rocker, wrote and released the song a couple years earlier. When I discovered Sammy and heard the song, I actually thought he did a good job covering Rick Springfield. Oops. I guess I'll have to blame that on not having the internet in high school. Either way, this song is better than Jesse's Girl. Enjoy.
0: Okay. As I said, uh, this episode theme was suggested by our patron, Josh Metzger. Specifically. I remember at the time, and this was a while ago, uh, for the song and band that he chose. Uh, but then he barely got his submission in under the wire, which is crazy. And he also kind of cut himself off at the end of it. Um, but I, you know, it was good. It was good enough. And I thought it was kind of fitting for the whole episode and my trials and uh tribulations putting it all together and my crappy voice and everything so uh and and it's a really great pick too and a surprising one i think a lot of you will be surprised about uh how how great the the actual song is compared to the one that everyone knows what's i don't think i i would imagine most people don't even like it but hand uh, it over to josh
10: <sighs> hey rob and fellow trg majors this is josh metzger and i wanted to share with you my pick for the other song by that one band that had that other song that got me high, uh, I think I butchered that title, but uh, anyway, uh, my pick is "Love Bug" by Marcy Playground uh, from their 1999 album Shapeshifter. They're, uh, you know, probably most well known for "Sex and Candy" from their uh, from their first album.
0: Josh and thank you to all my patrons for participating in these episodes and for supporting the show. I, I, I understand everyone can participate in everyone, but I really love it when you do. And I, I love that everyone still appreciates them even if they don't get to send in a uh, submission. I always get great notes. People really love these episodes because you're just all great and you come up with really great picks and they're a lot of fun. So if you would like to join the uh, That Record Got Me High family, uh, please consider heading over to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Uh, you become a patron of the show for as little as $2 a month and participate in these episodes. I would really appreciate it. Okay, I open the episode with the iconic Come On Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners, which was uh, all over the radio and TV in the early 80s. I know, uh, I've mentioned before on this podcast that I used to listen to a local radio show down here in South Florida in the early 80s called Radio Free Living Room. It was hosted by Eric Moss on WLRN. And I used to tape the show every week and I discovered so many bands that I fell in love with and I never would have heard otherwise. And I I would tape it every week so I would have these great mixtapes of all these great new songs. And in 1980, Eric played this song, uh, There, There, My Dear, by this new British soul revival band called Dexy's Midnight Runners. And it, it became a favorite of mine. And, and, and I, I loved it. I remember uh, it was on this tape. And jump ahead to 1983, and then the song Come On, Irene was all over the goddamn place, all over MTV. Uh, and I realized, oh, that's that same band that I have on that Radio Free Living tape uh, from 1980. Uh, and you know you know how it is With Some songs are just so overplayed That you, I just can't listen to them anymore And that's, uh, come on Eileen Quickly became one of those But I still love this one uh, From their debut, Searching for the Young Soul Rebels Probably partially I love it because uh, It was new and something brand new And I really like it So I'm going to leave you with that Alright, so that's our show Thanks so much for listening everyone Until next time, I'm Rob Elba Desperately trying to sound like a normal human being again it's gonna happen. We'll see you all again. Get out
3: of here. I hope you don't mind me writing. Yes, yes, there's more than one thing I need to ask you. Yes, 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 you're so anti diva. So we're blessed instead of dressing down.